Hello, Henrietta. Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. Welcome, uh, Henrietta. Shall we? Shall we talk about Raf in this episode? I would love to. Okay, Raf Simon, it is. I have mixed feelings about his departure. Um, I don't. <laughs> okay, then. I don't at all. So let's dive right into this. Okay, so <clears throat> Raf Simmons was appointed to the House of Calvin Klein, and I was paying very close attention to what Raf was doing at Calvin. I was very excited about it. I wanted to patronize that house for myself and for my clients, and I was regularly in the store. But I have to tell you, from day one, it was evident to me that the the right sensibility was not um, was not there at the house. I I immediately felt that Raph was a European designer, out of his depth in a commercial American house. So as I as, as I continued to watch that space, I was not surprised a year and a half later when a uh, new direction was sought by Calvin Klein. Let's say so I wasn't I wasn't surprised. So I'm curious to find out your your take on what has happened. Yeah, I think with his appointment, like you, I was really excited and intrigued by what that would entail. He's such a specific designer with a very European sensibility, um, which is very of the moment. I think that European fashion is definitely something that's very aspirational to American, particularly American big box brands. And I thought it was very telling of the time. I thought he did a really good job from a kind of personal breakdown of what he managed to achieve from a well how so just in terms of I really like his aesthetic you know and I I'm I'm a rough fan so I I really appreciate what he did for the house that being said from a from a marketing standpoint a brand standpoint which is more of what I do professionally he definitely missed the mark in a number of ways from taking a very European centric point of view on this idea of American culture, spending a lot of money in a way that like doesn't necessarily drive conversion in the way that you have to with a marketing driven brand. I mean, the amount of money he spent with certain partnerships and, you know, the Andy Warhol archive and things that just don't quite mash up to the heritage of Calvin Klein exactly, and just even in terms of the overall kind of creative direction particularly when we talk about content and advertising you know Calvin Klein Calvin Klein historically has been very provocative that's that's where they've won in the past whether it's Kate Moss and Marky Mark or Justin Bieber and underwear or very provocative videos and ads that have been banned or you know just that kind of tongue-in-cheek and I thought that's what he would extract a bit more that kind of provocative um, that kind of that the uh, a bit of a subversive sexiness, and I feel like it was very, it was European. very, and it was very like you know, it was very arty. Um, yeah. It was almost you know what someone mentioned to me. They mentioned where's that place in Texas, Marva, Mar- Marfa, Marfa. <laughs> when someone said it was very Marfa, I was like, exactly. It was just esoteric and this sort of um the, the the one the sensibility that I remember most is this whole cowboy culture with the boots and the you know the cowboy inspired shirts but as you said before that was very much a European designer lensing it 
through a, or a, a European designer looking at America through a European lens yeah. and it just didn't translate in a way that Americans understand. Which I think is fine because he should never pretend to be anything that he's not. But I thought what was interesting is that it was a take on American culture rather than um, a participation in it, which is usually Ex- what Calvin Klein exactly. does really well. And I think that led to sort of some disjointedness around even like the big celebrity culture of Calvin Klein, the way that that's perfectly integrated into ads and marketing and PR. And I just felt like he was very much like, okay, well, celebrity Kardashians, put them over there. But me and Winnie Vanderbeer are going to do this art house project over there. And it just, you know, Stella Ruby in the store being arty and it all just felt quite disjointed in a way that it's like, how how are these things connected to one brand? Exactly. And I, but I got to tell you, I felt as well that there was way too much latitude for all of those mistakes to, to be made. I saw the disjoint, the disjointed sort of um, marketing surrounding the brand. And I, and you could tell that Raph had like free reign to do whatever. And I have to say things simply did not add up. And as well, historically, let's be honest, the Calvin Klein clothes that we're used to has always been mired in a very minimalist place. And those um, those campaigns that you speak about that brought attention to the underwear that sold millions and millions and millions of underwear and t-shirts and so forth over the years, they really did reflect back on the underwear and the jeans and the t-shirt. And the concept is what really, you know, sang. In the case of Raph, you know, I feel that he wanted the clothes to speak. A, a brand A that has one store in America, one standalone store in America. I can't which is not say, closing. Which is not closing and I can't say how many stores that they have internationally but it seemed like a misstep to have put so much uh, responsibility on you know clothing the fashion angle of the brand rather than the 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 commodity component of it and the what knowing I mean I don't know that that as a strategy I mean listen there's always a grace period when you come into something and you really want to shake it up and so for Raph I think the focus on the ready-to-wear I think the only disconnect is obviously Calvin Klein are more of a commercial brand. So I think, like you said, it's a much more minimalist aesthetic. So I think where he wanted to push those boundaries in in terms of manufacturing and production and, you know, elevating it into becoming more luxury than I think they could handle, I think was really problematic. There were a lot of, there was a lot of feedback from the buyers that, you know, the quality wasn't quite there. And it's like, Okay. They're not a luxury house. But wait, so. can I please interject this? I have to, because this was one of my biggest gripes with the brand in trying to buy it in those three seasons, is that those fabric were blood drawing. They were so uncomfortable. They were so unpleasant. I was just, it was nothing close to luxury. And it wasn't even interesting as, as just, you know, a, a fabrication that you want to put in your body. It was just unpleasant. And so I didn't really understand those choices that he made in terms of fabrication. Forget about sense. Sensibility, but fabrication was a real turnoff. But I think it's connected to the larger issue of Amer- of Calvin Klein being a very American, marketing-driven, um, quite minimalist, uh, approachable brand. And I think that especially coming off the back of Dior, that was really you know, able to push the boundaries with ateliers and the best manufacturing and the best materials. And obviously having you know, the best of the best in terms of their positioning in luxury, that's not something that you can necessarily just bring into Calvin Klein in a way that you're expected to win within a couple of years. That's something that takes a lot more development, a lot more runway. And so you could also argue that he just maybe didn't have the time and the resource to 
really fully realise his vision. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, I'm just saying that could be an (laughs) argument because I think the massive amounts of change that he wanted to bring about, I mean, really was like, should have been a five-year plan. In this in this no, climate, though, no, I you can't afford to do that. With Henrietta, it's okay to stay. It's okay not to make allowances for a designer or for a talent. It's okay to say that they fucked up. It's okay to say that they misstepped. It's okay to say that they overreached. That's fine. And to me, from my from the information that I've gathered about his his tenure there, it seems that those are the reasons why that did not work out. And to boot, you saw how acerbic and strong, you know, the Calvin Klein's executives were when that relationship went sour. They made public statements that were I've never heard before from an executive while a designer was still at the house. It was very, you could tell that there was such acrimony in that company that culturally things did not mesh at all. For sure. And I think that the introduction of a new chief marketing officer who wasn't necessarily aligned with his vision... (laughs) was problematic at best and I'm not really making excuses or allowances for him what I'm saying is that that kind of brand strategy requires a much longer runway and Calvin Klein just wasn't that brand to do that with no 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 no, I disagree I disagree I think he complicated the strategy I think that he when he overreached in terms of what he thought this brand needed and what the audience what he wanted to offer to the audience and let me dial it back a little bit I'm going to go back to Dior at Dior he also had tremendous latitude and as a stylist who's a a pretty big shopper and have been for you know over 15 years I have to sort of interface with these brands very closely um, um, in terms of determining what to buy for my clients and I have to say at Dior I was I was also like, wait a minute, this man is giving a great deal, way too much latitude to be throwing out all of these like $8,000, you know, dresses hanging on the hanger that were frankly not selling. Yes, I appreciated a lot of the technique and, and, and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, Henrietta, it was just another white man designer who was given free reign to do whatever he wanted to. And he could fail on his own, you know, on his own time or, you know, or make this happen on his own time and I think that in this era that jig is a bit up and I think he sort of was one of the the, he's one of the first ones to start facing the the firing squad I actually think that's kind of interesting though because I think that also links to the point of what is the role of a modern creative director good very good question he's not very modern in that sense of the ideas around social media and like what content looks like and how that's integrated into the larger narrative of the brand and like even his own presence he was very light on interviews and doesn't have his own presence which is if you look at and for the record just to pause you for a second i think that's a great um podcast in the future what is the role of a creative director in this age and we did we definitely touched on that in our inaugural podcast episode where it's not just about being a designer anymore you have to be digitally savvy you have to be out there you have to be linked to a Kardashian or a celebrity you have to be able to you know be everywhere be on Instagram stories be in a way that I think he's of a of a age where he's about the work and he almost he has a rigor and a intellect around fashion that is it's questionable if that's even relevant to me a lot of it is but I think to the general masses particularly those who are engaged in Calvin Klein 
maybe not so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, I, and I agree with you, but as I said, I have to I have to dial it back to as well. Dior that was a difficult that was a very difficult sell as well, and it actually surprises me considering his tenure there that he was poached for Calvin Klein or that Calvin Klein was his, his the post afterwards. I found that to be actually quite curious, but that you know, like Hedy Slimane like Nicholas Gasquier, and for the record, I'm a huge rap fan. I've been going to rap shows since like the early 90s, and I'm also a customer of his, of his line, and I love that he's been classing skinny black boys since the beginning of time. So I've always appreciated his, his inclusivity and diversity. Um, but I have to say that he is, he represents one of the designers of this age. I would say Ricardo Tisci is also in that family, that of male white designers in fashion that are given incredible uh, playing field to do what the fuck that they want. And I think the reckoning is coming in this age. And by the way, we're not even talking about the salaries of some of these people. You know, oh, yeah. the salaries are north of, definitely north of 10 million, oh, but oftentimes they're north of 15 and north of 20 million dollars that's a that is such a powerful um, position to be in for a designer and I frankly think a lot of that stuff goes to their head if they are given such um such room to do whatever the hell that they want they really do feel you know a trumped up sense of self true but I think you also have to look at the output and I think the output is ultimately what outed Raph in a way that mm. Ricardo doesn't sit in that because he is very savvy. He understands how to play that cultural, pop culture, celebrity, social media, whatever's culturally hot. I mean, look at what he's doing at Burberry with these drops and the, you know, the seeding and every influencer and the programming. Like, I think he is of a more modern mindset in a way that Raph just was not interested in playing those games. Yeah. It was almost, it almost felt like an outsourced effort of <laughs> Solange for this denim ad. <laughs> And it almost felt like it was a, a very disconnected, fractured but you know, actually, part that also, of the strategy. It also begs the question, were those his choices? Were the Kardashian his choice? In fact, I mean, I've heard that they weren't. And I, I wonder imagine if Solange it, I can was. imagine the Kardashians were not his choice, but I think that he, maybe, he obviously saw the value in it, but I think that there's... Um, as much as he was given free reign, I, I just don't think that in its entirety that was at all possible and I think there were things that he maybe felt like he had to do or things that were put on his plate just to keep the lights on and so it was one thing offsets another you know you get to do be esoteric over here but we're going Kardashians over there right I mean I don't know but it, it just felt very disjointed in a way that there was just no way that it could have won well I have to say it does become a case study for this era in in the in sort of discussing the navigation of these you know these big fashion houses i would say yes discussing a european fashion house probably would capture more of the nuances of this business Calvin Klein may not be the best example but still it's a multi-billion dollar business that needs to be directed so how do you do that now in this age without this like you know powerful designer brand name designer at the helm I mean, they've gone down one route. I think they'll just get an influencer. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not really out of this realm, but I think is Chira Ferragani going to be the new designer, Calvin Klein? <laughs> <laughs> Still can't say her name, but probably because I think that this really is a question of mm. sales and relevancy, particularly 100%. for one of the largest um, American brands. One hundred percent. 
Well, um, definitely stunning news in these in these last couple months. And was it stunning though? I really wasn't surprised. Well, what was stunning was the exchange between management and talent <laughs> in the press. I yeah. thought that was unprecedented. It, he was Raph Simmons was thrown so far underneath that bus. <laughs> <laughs> it was saying that you came up into our house, you overspend. You disrespected us, and you designed poorly, and we want you the hell out of here. Pretty much is what I got from that. <laughs> and he's gone. Let's see what the next chapter brings. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what he does next and what they do next. And we'll talk about it. And we'll talk about it. Bye. Bye. Uh, it's my time for something.